again and welcome back to Weekly Impact from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We're here for another fun-filled episode. Uh, we have five of us today that are going to be on here um, reading through Romans 3 as we're into the book of Romans now. It is Tuesday, November 21st, and um, we have Jacob Kingsley, Daniel Yelverton, Tiffany Wiss, Jen Kaler, and myself, once again, Brent Smith. Um, we are happy to have you. If you're listening today, we very much appreciate it, and we hope that this is something that you are enjoying and would like to continue forward with. Um, so we'll just get right into it today. Um, what we're going to do is have um, pastors Daniel and Jacob give us a little bit of a background on the book of Romans so we have some context as we're moving forward in our reading over the next couple of weeks. So um, I'll go ahead and throw it to Daniel and let him take us from there. Uh, so... So we just got done with the book of Acts, and Acts is actually Paul leading all the way up to his visit to Rome. And this book is not while he's in Rome. This is actually he's writing the book to the Romans. So the Romans is a, it's a, is a church, church movement that actually got started. wasn't planted by Paul or anybody else. It was just lay people that had already heard the gospel that hmm. are moving to Rome and establishing mm-hmm. the church there in Rome. And so... What's interesting about this is that in all of, or most of all of Paul's epistles, is he has a close relationship with the people that are there in some form or fashion. He's planted the church, he's discipled some of the people, and so you'll read, he'll have like personal notes in between there, like say, say hi to this person, and hey, make sure they get, like, resolve their argument, you know, and (laughs) so different things like that. Romans, he really is just laying out this whole gospel message, and he is almost kind of it's similar to like what we had in the courtroom he's almost laying down like a like like a courtroom type of setting where he is defending what the gospel is all about what it isn't what it is and what it looks like now going forward and so the whole book of Romans is almost this kind of opportunity for us to get an insight into Paul's understanding of the gospel what he's received through the holy spirit and he encourages the Romans or the Roman uh, Church, in this fashion, and the correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. When did the Jewish people get kicked out of Rome? A.D. forty-nine. Okay, and so now Paul is writing to the church in Rome as they're coming back, as they're integrating back into Roman culture and into the city. Okay, and so we're getting really Paul is just in, encouraging the the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers alike of uh, what the gospel is. What is this message that uh, is so unique between all other religions that salvation is found in faith in Jesus and Jesus mm-hmm. alone? Okay. Yeah. And you said he's on his way there, so this is almost this is like letters to them before he gets there to prepare them, or what? It's kind of letters to them. Um, People think it's one of two different times. Either he writes this when he already knows he's appealing to Caesar, and so mm-hmm. he knows he's going to be going there as a prisoner. Um, but a lot of people also think that he was writing this almost to support Ray's for his next missionary journey where he wanted to go all the way into modern-day Spain. Oh, okay. And so he's writing to this melting pot of people in Rome because Rome had all these different nationalities. He's not writing just to the Jews. He's not writing just to unbelievers. It's this huge mix of people that he's writing to. So it's a very general letter about how do you know God? How do you know about your sin and and all of those different aspects of the gospel? 
All right. So um, what we'll take from there now that we have a little bit of background on what we're getting into, um, we'll do as we've done in the last few podcasts. We'll just read uh, two verses a piece as we go around. And um, like I said, we are in uh, Romans 3. And Jacob, if you want to go ahead and start it, and then we'll just go this way. Absolutely. Jumping right in. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, and everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by His grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No but by the law of faith. For we hold the one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Man, I wish Paul would have given us like something deep to talk about. <laughs> Seriously, so shallow. 
No. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> so um, there's, just to give you guys, I guess, a little bit of definitions to go with some of these words. That's good. Uh, <laughs> Please do. It's, uh, so one of the words we read about in uh, verse 25 is propitiation. Uh, what that means is it's the forgiveness of sins that's past, present, and future. It's kind of the the one act that forgives all sins. And so propitiation is a way of describing the forgiveness that we receive from past sins, present sins, and even our future sins. And even when else, another one comes up there, which is a word we don't use very often, is forbearance. And I think that's more of it be his patience that he... Or he didn't. He was patient in mm-hmm. the sins of the past and didn't judge them because he knew that the coming judgment was going to fall on Jesus. Also, we talked a lot in Acts about, and we read a lot about the Jews and Gentiles. Again, the Jews were a race of people that were descendants of Abraham, and Gentiles were anybody that wasn't a Jew. Um, so we see, again, there's still this tension between are Jews better? Is it better to be a Jew? What advantages do you have? Paul is addressing that as he addresses everything else as well. The uh, other word that kind of stuck out is in verse 2, and it sucks about that the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Um, what Paul is translating here is the, more of the revelation of God. So the, the Jewish people, uh, God revealed himself to humanity through the Jews. And so that was like how Paul was distinguishing them, that hey, the Jews were actually, this is great that for the Jewish people because you know, they were a part of God revealing who he was to humanity was through their race. Uh, and so that's where, that's even where there's a little bit of like racial distinction between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. And mm-hmm. even when you look back at the old law, I know this is a side note, but when you look back at the old law, you see that there was a weird distinction between Jewish people and Gentiles. And a lot of that was just because God had set the Jews apart so that he could reveal himself to humanity and ultimately Christ could be born through the Jews. But then the whole goal was that all people would be reconciled Mm. to God. And speaking of the distinction between Jews and Gentiles as well, right at the very beginning, right, it talks about the value of circumcision. That's the difference, right? The Jews are the circumcised, the Gentiles are the uncircumcised, Mm -hmm. just so people know that. Yeah. What kind of stood out to me was... um, the last verse in the chapter in verse 31 when it when he says do we then overthrow the law by this faith by no means on the contrary we uphold the law um i don't know if this is correct or not but you know i kind of can put that in my own life cuz sometimes you know people say well you know if i have jesus and i've been forgiven then do i really need to follow you know all the laws and all the things the scripture says and um you know, I just like how he's telling them that, no, we still uphold the law because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, you know, but it doesn't control us anymore. They don't have to live by that standard to have the freedom in Christ because of what Jesus did. So mm-hmm. that part kind of stood out to me. Paul was blowing my mind going along with that in verses 5 to 8. And he's like, well, if we are unrighteous, God's righteousness is more apparent. If we tell a lie, God's truth is more apparent. If we do evil, God's goodness is more apparent. So should we just do those things? Because, like, I get it, but obviously we shouldn't. I've never remembered reading that before, and I was like, it's true. That always stands out to me, um, those scriptures. And I think for me, being a mom, 
where I am at home with my kids all day long who are being mean to one another and telling lies to me and all those things all the time that I'm dealing with. And um, sometimes I think from being a mom, it really helps me in my walk with Christ because then I have to explain to my kids that I still love them even though they told a lie to me or even though they broke whatever rule, you know, I after I discipline them, you know, I always sit down, I make sure I tell them I love them. I make sure I tell them that I forgive them. And I try to always remember to bring Jesus into that. So <clears throat> I think for being a mom, those kind of verses stick out to me more. Mm. And then it just makes me, I know every time when I'm disciplining my kids, it's a reminder to me of how grateful I am for God's love because <clears throat> I know I mess up daily and yeah. constantly. Mm-hmm. So so I know this is more into kind of application now, but in those moments, um, like being a believer and being a parent, like I am always gut checking myself because I'm like, don't you do that. I told you not to do that. And I get so angry and my fuse is so short and I'm like, God, you're awesome because how do you not just like throw us away from yeah. how many times we fail you? Mm-hmm. And it just always makes me like, dang, I got to be a better dad because I'm just so quick to snap sometimes, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> We realize how um, impatient we are daily and yeah. how patient God is. Yeah, and 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 how much of a, uh, you know, it, it, I feel like a hypocrite sometimes because, or not a hypocrite, but just like, just not worthy because I'm just so like it just stuff gets on my nerves so bad sometimes because it's, you know, with your kids, like they do the same thing over and over and over every day and you get so sick of dealing with it that you just finally have a breaking point. God didn't have a breaking point. How awesome is that? How blessed are we? How lucky are we to have him and have him be that way? Because man, (laughs) if he had a breaking point, like Humanity would not still be here. Mm-hmm. And I think it's comforting too, like Daniel was explaining, and I always say the word wrong. Pro- pro- how do you say it, Daniel? <laughs> Propitiation. Propitiation. Um, the idea that he has not only forgiven the sins that we're doing today, but the fact that he knows the sins that are going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And if you have Christ, those have all been forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, like, that just. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. Mm-hmm. The fact that he has already forgiven me for anything that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it actually, it it drives me to try to be more patient with my kids, to mm-hmm. try to be, you know, to just um, live my life closer walk with him because I'm just so grateful for the fact that we all can live in that freedom. Yeah. Uh, I like what Paul's doing here because he's he's almost like, He's preparing for a debate, and he's asking questions, and he's answering those questions immediately. And what's great is because he's he's talking about big things like we were just talking about, like propitiation. Wow, like my sins are forgiven past, present, and future, and I have to receive that by faith. It's not even that like I had to do something, and now you know my sins are forgiven. Like I am putting faith in the completed work of Christ. And immediately, like my mind starts going to, okay, so... What does that mean for me right now? Like, does that change my behavior? Do I get loopholes now? I mean, are all of my sins, like, I don't, you know, I can I can do this sin. It's premeditated, but you know what? God already forgave me, and I've already got covering for all of these sins. And right. and so I think what's amazing here is that Paul is, he is, 
he's already going through some not not necessarily even the objections but also what we're probably thinking already like you know like well is it okay that my sin brings somebody to Jesus like should I be condemned for that and Paul is making a clear distinction that even then it's not even it's Jesus's work and we don't have anything that we can stand up on or be justified by. Like, that's the big word in this chapter is justification, meaning that we don't have uh, anything that we can count to to our own righteousness. We have nothing that says, okay, I'm good. This is the things that I've done. These are the good things that I've done. Here's my list of good things. Here's my list of bad things. Good things outweigh the bad things. I'm good. Right. And, and so this is... It's hard because we have to unwind from that because it's easy for us to then start saying like, all right, well, then what's too far? Where's the line? Do I get too close to the line? What happens? And mm-hmm. you can start asking all of these mm-hmm. like maddening questions about our behavior and the things that we do. And and Paul is already kind of going through and he's saying like, no, I mean, you're still you're still choosing sin. You're still choosing sin in that moment. Your works don't count as anything because we were never able to obey the law in the first place. Mm. And and so he, he's really, he's putting forth the case that says Jesus is the only thing that justifies us. Jesus mm. is the only reason that we have any hope because every other religion is based on works. Every other religion is pray enough, give enough, go visit some cities in some other world, you know, five pillars, you know, all kinds of things. Like they're all based on doing. And this is the thing that distinguishes. And I think that's why this is such an important letter to such an influential city is because he he is distinguishing faith in Jesus as being something completely different from all other, uh, not only religions, but also all other ways that we can consider being right and justified before God. Yeah, and to kind of go off with what you were just saying, Daniel, I know it says in Isaiah that um, our most righteous works are that of filthy rags. So, um, you know, that's just something to always keep in mind where, you know, we'll try to weigh the things that we've maybe done wrong with, well, but then I did this, you know, and when it comes down to it, the scripture flat out tells us that even our best works are those of filthy rags. I was just going to say, as Daniel was talking about, so we're justified. Does that mean we get a free pass? And it's important to remember, like, Paul didn't write Romans chapter 3 in isolation. He wrote this whole book. And so in chapter 12, which we'll get to in about a week and a half, the first verses are, therefore, brothers, you know, present your bodies as living sacrifices in light of God's mercies. Because of everything he's done for you, you should have a response towards righteousness and serving God. And so Paul doesn't leave us hanging and say, well, you, you got forgiven, so can you do everything? He He's pretty clear that we have been forgiven. God has shown us mercy, and that should elicit a, a good and righteous response from us. And uh, one thing I was going to say, too, was um, when it comes to works justifying, you know, whatever for us, uh, when it comes to works doing this thing to forgive us— um, is I, it, it just hits me as funny as people who aren't people of faith at all. They seem to have that preset in their mind. 
because I talk to so many people that I'm like, hey, why don't you come, you know, come into church and see us or whatever. Um, and first of all, I hear so many times, oh, if I step foot in that place, it'd burn down, you know, and it's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me share something with you. But um, the other one is that just so many people think just automatically, it's just like ingrained in people, whether they're believers of any kind or not, whether it's Christian or Jewish or anything, it's just they think they have to do good things. Like you ask people, you know, what does it take to be a good a good Christian, a good believer, whatever. Oh, I just, you know, I need to be a good person and do good things and I'll be, you know, forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. automatic and it's just so funny to me that that is that way, whether they know or not, you know. That's just pe- what people believe. So I don't know if that's something from, you know, the enemy to make them feel not worthy or what the deal is, but that's just kind of a default that I think is interesting that everybody seems to go to. If you mm-hmm. go up to people <clears throat> randomly on the road and you ask them, you know, what do you think you need to do to go to heaven? Majority of people are going to say, well, you know, I think if you're a good person and the things you do that are good outweigh the things you do that are bad, then I think you'll be okay. Yeah. And that is, that's a lie that so many people believe. Yeah. And the other thing that I was going to say, I I think it ties into it, but, um, uh, I was, I was sharing something, um, at a, a meeting that I had this weekend and, you know, we, even though, like we know here sitting at this table, we know that our acts cannot redeem us, um, and it's only Jesus that can redeem us. It still seems though, and like I'm growing in my relationship with God and, and with Christ because I'm learning that I want to do sinful things less because I feel like it removes me from His presence some, and that's not Him. Immediately, if we repent, we're forgiven. It's just, it's almost like my psyche still says, okay, you need, before you do, like after you do something that you know you shouldn't do, it takes a couple days almost of like a purification process to feel connected again. Mm -hmm. And that's all in my mind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it took me a while to realize that that purification process that I have to go through is me. Mm -hmm. That's my mind. That's me putting myself through that instead of him because we're just, we have Jesus, we're forgiven. You know, yeah. um, so anyway, I don't know if that'll, you know, resonate. One thing before I have to leave, one thing that uh, when I first started coming into church and stuff, I thought you had to be a perfect person mm. to come to church. And so what really stands out to me is for all of sinned mm-hmm. and we all fall short. Uh, when I first started coming here, I pictured Tiffany and Daniel and Pastor Phil as these perfect people who never sinned. Yeah. Um, and it took me reading to realize and spending time with us <laughs> and spending time We're not that perfect. we've all sinned. We're all sinners. Yeah. Um, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And I have to reiterate that to my children every single day that um, they're not perfect, that nobody's perfect, especially in God's image. Yeah. And I see so many people that um, I've talked to just recently that are, they just get, they're so down on themselves because they're like, oh, I'm just not as consistent as I should be. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm just not where I want to be, you know, and they just get so down on themselves. And one thing that the Holy Spirit has really taught me in the last six months or so is that you are human and we are never going to be fully consistent. We're just not. I mean, it's just not in the books. It's not in how we're made that we can just always be this perfect, consistent believer who gets in the Word every day, who does everything every day the right way. And we just have to know that that's okay. We have to not be so hard on ourselves. We still need to strive towards being better every day. Um, But 
don't beat yourself up so much because all that does is get you down and then makes the impact that you have with people on a daily basis much less of an impact in their lives because you're so focused on your failures instead of his, you know, his victory for us. And that's what the enemy wants. Mm -hmm. He wants us to just get so down on ourselves and focus on, oh man, I missed, you know, because I'll do that. I'm like, oh, I missed reading my chapter today. You know, I'll look back yesterday. Oh, I didn't read. And then I feel guilty and horrible. And that's not what God wants us to do. He, He doesn't view it that way. That's just something the enemy wants to get in our minds to hold us back from what Christ is trying to show us at that time. Yeah, because the whole reason that he died for us is because we're human and we're imperfect and we needed that forgiveness from him. And once again, it comes back to us thinking that acts are going to redeem us. Mm -hmm. And the enemy loves to make religion look so legalistic Mm -hmm. when in all honesty, our debts have been paid. Mm -hmm. We don't have to follow these laws. We have to, you know, ask for forgiveness. We have to, you know, go to our father, Mm -hmm. but it's not as legalistic as everybody believes it to be. Yeah, I mean, Jesus boiled all of the law and the prophets into two commands, you know, love God and love others, and then kind of summed everything up in love others the way that I have loved you. And and that's it. And and I, th- I think that that's a really hard thing to unwind from, though, because I think we want to be good enough to go to heaven. Yeah. Like inside of us, we just want to feel like we are good enough. And I don't know what that is, what kind of, why we have that kind of desire to justify ourselves in some form or fashion. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't even meet our own standard of goodness. Mm-mm. You know, you think <laughs> about like, I've heard Definitely it said not. that if if we had a recording device wrapped around our neck and every time we said, you know, somebody ought to do this or they ought to do that. And that was what we compiled all of the law on on things that we ought to do or others ought to do, we would always fall short of that. Yeah, of you know, our own. Yeah, yeah, of our own mm-hmm. like standard of goodness and our own standard of justification. And and I guess w- you can read this and feel like, oh my gosh, you know, there's no hope. We got n- no chance. You know, we're all, there's no one righteous, no, not one. And God's like, yes. He's not, he's not trying to beat around the bush and say, no, well, you guys are okay. You guys are <laughs> trying hard. And I know that your heart is in the right place. He's like, really? It's not. Your heart's not even in the right place. And you know your heart, you know? And and so I guess taking us out of that mentality of, of being justified or being made right with God by our actions, by our works, by our own even measure and standard of goodness, uh, he, we're, we're pulling that out of us. So that then it's just Jesus. And then it has to be just Jesus. And then there's less, um, not necessarily pressure, but there's really, there's there's less obligation for us that we have to be always perfect. And like you said, there's a preconceived notion that people come into church, they got to have their life together. Well, no, like everyone that walks in to our church and churches all around the world, all of them are sinners. Mm-hmm. All of them uh, are struggling with something, you know, but that's why... We have to have confidence in the work of Jesus Mm -hmm. so that when we go to heaven, it's not our list of things that we've done. We just have the name of Jesus on our forehead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we receive what he has done on our behalf because he lived the life, you know, we were supposed to live. And, and I think also 
Paul's alluding to this, and it's hard because it's a microcosm of just talking about chapter 3 and not going and discussing other parts of Romans, but that it's not just about going to heaven. Being a Christian and following Jesus is not just about going to heaven. There's a whole process of, of sanctification taking place, and what that is is that it's just we are unwinding from the things that we used to do and from the thoughts that we used to have and the actions that used to like propel our lives and we're becoming more and more like Jesus but that's not because we're doing it it's because the spirit's at work in us I think that's a good place to leave it um you know I we started in in Romans and you know we always try to just you know talk about that, but I think that we went down an awesome road today with where this conversation took us. And it all ties into Romans 3, but um, I think that's just a really good word for people to hear, you know. Because mm-hmm. um, I think one thing that we want for this podcast as well is for it to be reaching not just people in our church and not just people in the church, but if anybody would come across this, we want it to be a valuable piece of information for them to learn what our faith actually is and what that what this conversation is supposed to be is what people who are living this faith and struggling daily in this faith but also succeeding and growing in this faith what it will be um and what it is in your life once you're once you're living it so um anyway um we will go ahead and wrap up here um we're going to finish with prayer i would ask um tiffany would you please open and jacob please close absolutely (laughs) Father, we just thank you so much for this day. And um, Lord, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you for your promises. And I just thank you that you love me no matter what. Mm. And I thank you that I don't need to worry. And I don't need to try to do everything just perfect. Because I know, Lord, that I'm never going to be good enough. And that's okay. Because I have you, Jesus. And I just thank you that you've chosen a sinner like me to be used for your glory. And um, Lord, I just pray for whoever's listening to this today. You know, maybe I don't know what everybody's going through, but maybe they're feeling like they're not good enough, Lord. And I just pray that you use this podcast in this time, that Holy Spirit, you'll speak to them and let them know that you love them right where they're at. And it doesn't matter where they're at, that you love them and that you want them to turn their hearts to you. And we just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And um, I pray for whoever's listening right now, Lord, that that you just work in their heart and that today they just feel complete peace. They feel complete love in you. Dear Heavenly Father, it's so crazy um, just how you love and how you forgive and how you show mercy. It's easy for me to be comfortable with my actions and where my life is at and I forget how terrible my life was before you that I couldn't do anything on my own but God you were always good to come and love and forgive me and so I just thank you so much for that and I pray that each and every one of our listeners would would have that experience where they see how sweet your love and your forgiveness and your mercy really is that free gift And so wherever they are today, God, I pray that you would help each and every listener, all of us here, to understand more about how you love us, and that that would spark a reaction in our lives to love you and love others more. You are so, so good to us, God. In your son Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.
All right, everybody. Well, that's going to finish us up for this week uh, in our third episode of the Weekly Impact Podcast. We hope you will be back again next week to join us for our fourth and going forward. So once again, for Weekly Impact Podcast and for Elevation Community Church, uh, we just thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.